get in. And I'm like, who who bought who bought firepower for Star Wars game and, and I'm getting bills for forty eight dollars and they in there getting buying buying buildings and in the Sims and stuff. And I'm like, I didn't even I don't even have the Sims. I'm calling Apple like I don't have the Sims and come and find out it was them. But if you go backwards in time, I grew up and, and entertainment for us was Teddy Ruxpin. Right. Y'all don't even know about that kind of, y'all looking like what? Texas Instruments Speaking Spell. Anybody, and some, anybody have a clue? Video games for, now I'm going to go way back. Video games for us was Simon. Candyland. That was video games for us. We stayed up for hours doing puzzles. The, the first cell phone for many of us wasn't a cell phone. It was a pager. It was a pager. And then, and then we graduated from a pager to a flip phone. I didn't want to get the big brick phone because that was too bulky for me. I like sleek stuff. And when they came up with the flip phone, you weren't anybody if you didn't have a flip phone. You could barely text. You had to push the numbers eight times to get through something. But and if you miss that third, part, you got to go. It goes back to the. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, phones were up. Now, because some of the things I'm just talking, I'm, I'm explaining something. Eventually, phones were upgraded, and um, and and we started. We uh, Apple came out, and 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 our phones upgraded, and 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 eventually, we found out that all of the information that was in our phones was able to be connected to our computers. You could now download music from your computer into your phone and listen to your personal catalog, catalog of songs on your phone. You could, you could put drawings on your phone. And it, it became amazing. And, and it happened through a word that we didn't even know what, what, what it was, but it was called syncing. You would sync your phone up to your computer and if you if you would sync your phone to your computer, you could download, you could you can get information back and forth. Um, the thing that God began to deal with me about is that a lot of us have been in God a long time, but we're still with Teddy Ruxpin with our relationship with Him. You still you are still on a speaking spell Texas instrument in the spirit. But in the natural, you're on, a, on an Android or an iPhone. And a lot of us, the reason why it seems like we're behind is because we haven't synced in a long time. We, have, we, haven't, we haven't been connected to the Lord Jesus in a long time, although we have been in the vicinity of church, the building. We haven't synced to his presence and power in such a long time and so we have people who are who are sick among us in spirit who come to church but they're depressed come to church but they're suicidal come to church but they're aggravated come to church but they're angry come to church but they're mad with the world come to church but they're not satisfied and after they leave the presence of God they, they need something else to satisfy them on the inside. And I believe that, that when God started talking to me about this Just Jesus series, 
One of the things I believe that the Lord was saying to me was that I want my people to stay synced with me. At all times, nothing blocking it, nothing stopping it. I said, God, this, this has to be a season where we see something more than what we have seen up until now. Every relationship, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday. Y'all warm tonight? Everybody's, y'all warm? Y'all all right? Everybody's good? Okay, good. I want to make sure y'all good. Um, every relationship has to grow in order to stay relevant. Every relationship has to grow to stay relevant. We talked a little bit about this on Sunday. The reason why relationships get stale is because there's no growth on somebody's side. So, so um, some years back, my wife talked to me about uh, and, and said, I need more romance from you. I said, okay, whatever that is. No one ever taught me what that was. So, so to me, romance was getting, a, getting a, another card, getting some flowers delivered. She don't even like flowers. But I figured I'd try something new because she was saying something that I didn't understand. So I'm going to give you what I've seen on TV. I'm going to give you what I, what I think it is. I'm going to do something different than what I've given you, but I'm going to try something different. Again. And she said, that's not it, chief. That ain't it. And what I found out was this. Anytime a relationship starts getting stale, you can't guess about what you're going to give. There has to be a conversation about what it is that the other person needs. So, so, so we were having a communication block because I was doing all of this stuff. And I'm, I'm getting upset because my efforts are not being appreciated, so I think. You understand what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm, I'm getting candy. I'm doing flowers. I'm, I'm, I'm doing breakfast in bed. I'm doing stuff. And this is what she said to me one day. She said, that's not what I need. You are, you are working double overtime to give me, watch this, what you would want. Ooh. And a lot of times our efforts with God are not, our efforts with God are we, 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 we're doing a whole lot of stuff. But we're not giving him what he really wants from us. I danced today for the first time. I praised God in this house. He said, that's nice, but you're supposed to do that. I told you, praise me in the sanctuary. I worship you. He said, yeah, that, that, that's nice. But, 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 but is that what he wants from you? What do you want from me? What is causing my relationship with Jesus to be in a stale place right now? And a lot of, the, a lot of that, a lot of that is, 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 is never solved because we don't take time to ask him, what, what do I do to give you what you want from me and wait for the answer? The Bible says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. We don't wait long enough to hear his response. So we never come into full relationship with him because we don't wait long enough for him to tell us what he really needs from us. I'm going to go harder. That's good, but, is, but what does he need from you so that the relationship can be strengthened to a, a point where, where you are so connected with him that nothing can break the connection? Because in a lot, of, a lot of people's lives, the connection with the Lord gets, gets broken over the most craziest things. And the most minute things, somebody got on my nerves. So we break the connection to have choice words with people 
because my flesh is going to get satisfied. The connection gets broken because we feel like I've been saved for, for a year, a whole year, and I haven't messed up yet. So I'm do this mess up. And a lot of, I mean, if we can be honest, the relationship with the Lord Jesus has suffered because we haven't taken time to fully make the connection with him. So let me, get, let me, let me give you, and we're going to go right back into what we, what we were talking about on Sunday. But let me just give you, as I was sitting tonight, just meditating on, on tonight's word, and the Lord began to speak to me about uh, three things that you can do, and I'm giving them to you real quick because we, we, we left off on Sunday talking about um, the, what the connection produces. And we're going to jump right back into that. But I want to give you three things that, that help you to stay connected to him. Amen. Three things that help you stay connected to the Lord. Amen. The first thing is you have to be intentional about staying connected. You have to be intentional. This is not, not in any of our notes. This is just something for, for this, uh, our AV department. This is on the spot stuff. You have to be intentional about staying connected to the Lord. Say intentional. intentional. That means you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be intentional about living distraction free. You got to be, you're going to have to be intentional about, about guarding your heart, your mind from distractions. How often do we know we're being distracted, but fall into the pitfall of distraction because it's easy to be distracted. It's harder to be focused. Being focused, being focused is something that a lot of us have struggled with. We can be honest. Com and, and, and watch this. When you lack focus, you lack completion. When you lack focus, it's hard to complete tasks in your life. It's hard to complete tax tasks in God. Whenever you lose focus. So a lot of us have started so many things in God. You started faster with the church, but you always get off. You start praying, but you stop. Right. Come on, amen. Come on, y'all. Look at that. A lot of things that we do, we have good intentions in the beginning. Right. We're very intentional about what we're going to do, what we're going to see. And when, when it doesn't, oh, let me say it like this. When it doesn't move quick enough. When the process is a process of one foot in front of the other and we're not running that a lot of us get disenchanted with the process that God is trying to take us through to get us to a destination and we, we end up, we forfeit out of the process because it's not happening as quick as I want it to happen. That's called the spirit of selfishness. So a lot of us have been very selfish in our relationship with the Lord Jesus because he hasn't moved quick enough for us. I mean, if we could be honest, because the only way we're going to repair the relationship is we're going to have to realize where we went wrong. There's no failure in him. So we got to realize where we went wrong so that we can repair the relationship and receive from him everything he has for us. All right, so we have to be intentional about staying connected. You got you to live distraction free. The second thing you got to do is you have to be okay with being still. You have to be okay with being still. This generation... And I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about people of today. It seems like our minds have to, be, have to be fully engaged in something in order for us not to be bored. Now think about this. David was on the backside of a mountain. 
He was on the backside of a mountain, had no audience, had nobody cheering him on, didn't have no cameras back there, didn't even have a promise of getting a kingdom. But in everybody shout solitude. In solitude, David is in the, in the back side of a, of a wilderness by himself with dirty sheep. But he's faithful to it. He's faithful. Why? And, and I've always wondered, and, I, and I, people have asked me, why did God call David? Why was he able to call David out of all of his brothers? It's because David proved to God in solitude who he was going to be if God ever elevated him. And a lot of us, we are, we're, we're not okay with solitude. We're not, we're not okay with God not allowing us the space to have a crowd around us. You need a crowd. Now watch, if you, if you need a crowd in order to feel important, then there's, there's an issue with self-esteem. You have to be okay with being still when everybody else is running. You have to be okay with fasting and praying when your when your unit and your circle isn't doing it. You have to be you have to be okay with excuse me with not completing all of your goals in a month. A lot of us we struggle with that because to be still for us means I'm not being productive. I got goals. I got aims. I got stuff I'm trying to do. My life is going somewhere. And sometimes God will say, shut everything down and go back to the beginning. Lord, you got to, somebody say, I have to be okay with being still. Psalm 46 and 10 says, he says, be still and know that I am God. And then he says these words. And then when you do that, (coughs) excuse me, I will be exalted amongst the heathen. Everybody say exalted. Exalted. He says, I'm going to be raised up. Now look at this. He said, uh, uh, if I, even I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Lifted up is the same word as exalted. How do we lift them up? You're going to have to be okay with being still. You don't get to know them until you get still. You don't get to know the Lord until you get so, so, so if, 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 if this season is about just Jesus, but you are trying to do a gazillion things, you might miss him. You're going to have to be okay with being still because when you get still, he's going to talk to you. Right? He says, I'll be exalted amongst the heathen. And then he said, those are non-believers. Then he says, I'll be exalted in the earth. All right, let me give the last one and then we'll pick up from Sunday. If you're going to establish a relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep your connection to him pure. Yes. Wow. Keep your connection to him pure. You can't let the impurities of this world mess up your connection with the Lord Jesus. It's very easy, it's very easy to hear people say what God should do for you. Well, if you're serving God, he should have came through for you by now. Then you start feeling like, yeah, you should have came through for me by now. When other people can dictate your relationship with God, you don't have one with him. We could just end that, come to the altar, just end and go home. The Bible says work out your own soul salvation. So watch this. My relationship with God is a relationship that I'm building with him. 
and I can't let anybody else tell me what he should have done for me by now and where he should take me to because, watch, unless I'm being lazy. Okay, forget all of Sometimes what we want, what we want is, is let me figure it out, but we're not really figuring nothing out. Give me the space to figure it out. But what you really want to do is be lazy and, and, not, be, and not be a person who is. Who... Some, people, some people want, they want God, they want God their way. They want God their way. So one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why God sends you to a church is so that you can have a pastor that can help to shepherd you, lead you direct you into the things of God. I'm not talking about that, oh, well, you said you can't tell me nothing. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when, when we think that God ought to have done something in a certain time frame and somebody else gets in your ear to make you disgruntled with God, it's a trick of the enemy to make you get upset with God and miss what it is that you've been waiting on. You got to be very careful of people who are telling you that God should have came through for you by now when the truth is God is working something in you so he can get something to you. Does that make sense? So how do you keep the connection pure? You keep the connection pure by doing the stuff we always talk about in this church. Prayer, fasting, worship, Bible intake, meditation on the word, and other Christian disciplines. If, if, you, if you don't discipline your life, you will not be a great receiver. You're going to miss the things of God. That's why, that's why often I make it a habit to fast. My life has to become disciplined. I, I make myself get up and clean when I don't have to. I discipline my life. Your li- everybody say, I have to be disciplined. You're going to have to be disciplined because you can't be a disciple without being disciplined. You're going to have to be disciplined. That means you're going to have to have, you're going to have to have times where you say, this is, I'm making a schedule for God. I'm going to get up at this time daily and pray. I'm going to make it my business to, to witness. I'm going to, and this is, I'm going to, um, my, my witnessing days is Thursday and Friday. The time that I read my word is going to be from this time to this time. And you're going to have to stick to it. That, that is being disciplined. I can't let nothing stop me from, from doing the things of God. If we don't learn discipline, like this is something a lot, a lot, of, a lot of people learn when, they, um, um, when, when they're at home. But, but if you grew up in a household where you didn't have parents who taught discipline, then it becomes harder the older you get to be disciplined in, in life, in relationships, in how you speak. In, in, in your pride come on it becomes very difficult the older you get but it's not impossible this is why the apostle Paul said I beat this body and I bring it under subjection because if you, if you don't bring it under subjection then, then, then your body is going to take over all right, all right. So, so, so we started talking about being connected, and we said that on Sunday. The first thing we said was that is that the connection brings similar identity, similar identity. Y'all remember that? Yes. Similar identity or sameness. 
possessing the same character as another. That's identity, possessing the same character as another. So we talked about that a little bit. Then we moved on from there and got to um, that, that the connection uh, uh, brings similar perception. Everybody say similar perception. And this is what I want to linger on a little bit tonight. I want to talk about this tonight. We might not get to, uh, to the third thing the connection brings. We might get to that on Sunday. I'm not rushing through this because I want us to get it and I want us to practice it. And I want us to pursue it. And I want us to go after it. Sometimes we can get so much that we don't even know where to start. And we get a lot in this church. We got a lot in this church. You have to, you, amen, we do. We, I said last, last, last Tuesday, we're not starving for the word in any way. Somebody got the word up here. You can preach the rest of the sermon tonight. A couple of y'all, all right. So everybody say similar perception. Perception is all about the way you view things. How do you see things? We said on, we said on Sunday, Jesus always uh, said everything from the Father's point of view and not his own viewpoint. Um, as it pertains to your, to your walk with Christ, 99.999% of the time, your viewpoint doesn't matter. When God is trying to take you into something, your viewpoint about it doesn't matter. When God is trying to take something out of you, your viewpoint don't matter. When God is trying to deliver you from generational stuff, your viewpoint is, is not what he's concerned about. Notice this, notice this. Whenever you pray, God never asks you what you want to be done. When God's trying to, when he's trying to work a work in you, he doesn't ask you how you feel about it. When I pray, and I know God is delivering, delivering my life from something, and I pray, I never hear God say, so crump, what you think about, about this deliverance process? I've never heard him ask me that ever. And I've been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost since nine years old. I'm 44 right now. And God has never asked me what I thought about what he was doing in me. He's never asked me that. He has a plan for you. He has a will for your life. He has a destination he's trying to get you to. Now watch this. Nobody in this church will be sitting here right now if God didn't have a will for your life. You would have been somewhere else tonight. Amen to the Lamb of God. You would have been somewhere else in your life. You would have been in California somewhere. Some of y'all would have been in Alaska somewhere. Somebody else would have been in Atlanta somewhere. Your life would have taken a different turn had you not experienced what you said was the most hellacious things you've ever gone through. It was needful, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost coming on me. It was needful for you to go through the hurt and the pain and the, re and the rejection and your family problems and the stuff. It had to be in your bloodline because God had to get you to where you are right now. It was needful for me to go through that. It was needful for my mama to die. It was, oh, you don't want to talk like that. It had to happen that way so that God's glory can be reproduced in me right now. We have spent so much time crying about the history of our lives. The history of our lives that we can't see forward into the future of our lives. Holy Spirit, for a lot of us, can't even do Watch this. He can't even take us into our next because we're so tied to our past. Okay. Uh, everybody, everybody say similar perception. <laughs> Jesus always took on what the father thought about 
what was going on. Write this down. My prosperity is linked to my perception. Your prosperity is linked to your pro- is linked to your perception. Get up, uh, and y'all don't have this in the back, but but y'all don't follow me. Second Chronicles twenty six. I'm gonna amplify it. Second Chronicles twenty six, verses three through five. Second Chronicles twenty six, and, and and soon we'll be hearing that a whole lot more. You hear them pages? Some of y'all don't even know what Second Chronicles is at. Set, we we gonna get it though. Everybody said we gonna get it. All right, and while y'all, while y'all flipping, I'm going to read. 2 Chronicles 26, 3 through 5, and Amplify, it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began his 52-year reign in Jerusalem. His mother was Jecolia of Jerusalem. But look what happened. He did right in the Lord's sight to the extent of all that his father Amaziah had done. His father was a character. He takes over as king after his father and starts doing right. Verse 5. How did he do this? How did he do this? He set himself, verse number 5, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. This is about perception. His father was full of the devil. His father was a horrible king. He takes over at 16 and how he has perceived his father determines what he's going to do with the rest of his life. You can look at everything that has happened to you negatively and you can use the, the excuse, I never had a godly pattern to follow after. But if it's in you to do right, You get rid of the excuse because your perception is I'll be better than that. Lord, help me to God. Help me God. Sometimes people use the excuse of I never had it so I can't be it. If that's the case, then just throw me out because I never had, I never had nobody teach me how to be a husband or a daddy. But now with seven children and married for 18, going on 18 years, we made it not because I had a godly example in front of me all the time, but because I had to have a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus brought me to the Holy Ghost. And he had to teach me how to bridle my tongue. He had to teach me how to love my children. Had to teach me how to love my wife. I didn't know how to do that. And the stuff that you don't know, the reason why you stay in the I don't know is because you don't lean on Jesus. Okay, all right. All right, so it says, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, watch this, who instructed him in the things of God. And the Bible says, as long as he sought or inquired of or yearned for the Lord, God made him to prosper. His prosperity came because of how he perceived, watch this, number one, how evil his daddy was. Number two, he perceived that he needed instruction. Lord. I didn't have it growing up. But I, I, 
perception of what I need to be like. So I have to link myself to Zechariah who has the ability to teach me if I'll stay pliable. And the Bible said, he, watch this, he sought after God, now watch this, he sought after God by seeking out Zechariah. That breaks the I hear God for myself thing way out the water. The way he sought God was linking with somebody who had the instruction in their belly. Trying to teach you how to. I'm, he, look, look, it's in the Bible. And the Bible said, as long as he sought after God by staying linked to Zechariah. The Amplified said he inquired of the Lord by doing that. And he yearned for the Lord by doing that. And the more he got from Zechariah, the more the Lord caused him to prosper. Watch this. Your prosperity is linked to your perception, but your prosperity is linked to a leader. Y'all don't like me. They call it witchcraft now. They call it deception now. They call it somebody ruling your life now. But holiness is still right. You gonna have to, I know, and, and, and watch this. If your, if your pride demon is kicking up, then you need to, you need to submit now. Because let me tell you something. I can't be who I am if I don't link myself to a leader. I have no clout in the spirit because Satan operates off of legalities. Who gave you the right to do what you're doing? Who gave you the authorization to do what you... Y'all don't like that. Y'all like that. If we're going to have Jesus' pattern, that's why Jesus had to go. We're going we're gonna to deal with this in a couple of weeks. He went and found disciples and told them, stop fishing and I'm going to teach you how to really fish. And he just told them two words, follow me. And he walked off on them. They had to perceive that he was the son. They had to perceive that he had something in him with two words. He ain't give him a sermon. He didn't. Ah, 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 ah. He ain't do none of that. He didn't give him no exit. Jesus. He ain't give him no nothing. He ain't give him no counsel. He walked up on them. They were doing life. He said, "Listen, follow me. You have a choice." Where you can turn the world upside down if you get rid of your pride. Y'all don't like midnight. He told them jokers, follow me and walked off. They had to make a decision because he told he told the rich young ruler the same thing. Sell your stuff and follow me. The rich young ruler said, I can't do it. Jesus said, you see this? This is why it's hard for people who have money and rely on it. He wasn't saying the money was bad. He was telling them, if you rely on the money, you won't rely on me. This is why, this is why people in the church are very powerful, but very ignorant. Because the way Satan fights is, you can have power and get stuff done. But the fight, the backlash of that is going to be who gave you the authority. 
that don't mean you can't that don't mean you can't do what you're doing. You can be very powerful, but be very fought. Y'all don't like that. You wanna know why stuff stays off of me? Because I'm submitted to another authority. Try to help us. Why am I standing on this? Because this is Jesus' pattern for the kingdom. Don't fight me. Take it up with him. Jesus says, we read it on Sunday, he said, I can't do nothing by myself. So the reason why Satan had nothing in Jesus, he said, he said Satan's coming, but he has no part in me. He has nothing, it's nothing that he can do to me because he has no, no, nothing that he can do to me because there's nothing in me that connects me to him. There's a lot of people, now watch this, this generation calls this manipulation. They call it holding back your gift. They call it divination. They call, God calls it order. Okay, okay, let me help you with this. Your child comes in your house at 4 a.m., walks in, says, yo, what's up, yo? Takes your dinner out the refrigerator, proceeds to eat up the rest of your food, five pieces of chicken. Y'all understand what I'm saying? All your rolls. Your three baked potatoes that left in there for tomorrow night's dinner. Burps, eh, goes to bed, and you're sitting there like, I don't believe. I can't believe. I don't. You wouldn't go to bed and be like, Lord, help him. Now, if you would, we need to have maybe have a counseling session. Okay, let me give you another one. When my children go to school, when they go to school, I have released them to the authority of that principal and those teachers. If the teacher says, sit down on the rug, Bryce, which Bryce hasn't been listening in a couple of days, sit down on the rug, Bryce, and Bryce says, I'm not sitting on the rug, I'm staying in my seat, when Bryce gets home, Bryce has a whooping waiting for him because when you get off that bus, she now becomes the authority for your life. You know, they out playing in the field. She said, Bryce, stay over here. Bryce said, no, and runs off. It could mean danger for Bryce. Bryce is going to run across the street because there's an ice cream truck over there. He wants ice cream because he didn't get no ice cream with his lunch. Now, Bryce wants to run across the street because he desires something. Now, Bryce puts himself in danger, comes out from under authority, and, and when he does that, although the heart of the teacher wants to save him from what is coming, she cannot do it when Bryce runs from the covering. Covering is God's idea. I mean, I'm staying on this stuff because, like I said, 
I don't, I don't want y'all to hear this and just get happy and, th and then the enemy fights you. And you're like, why am I going through this? I, I, as a pastor, years ago, years ago, we were under such demonic attack. I'm like, what is going on? We're doing the will of God. Demons being cast out. Yo, that's the that. Demons cast out. People getting healed. I'm preaching. People coming in. Demon, I always get out of here. Demon going, coming out. I mean, all kind of crazy stuff. People getting healed. Then I'm going home. I'm getting hit with all kind of stuff. I'm sick. People falling down the steps. Somebody's throwing up. Stuff. I'm like, what is going on? I'm anointed. Everybody comes to the church and you got the anointing. You are anointed to do what God's called. The power is on this place. But I'm thinking, why am I being so fought? While I'm doing what God's called me to do, ain't no fight. But the moment that I'm finished with what I know he's called me to do, fight, 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 fight. Until the next service. I'm praying and rebuking backlash and retaliation, but it ain't working. Oh, we don't like that kind of stuff. We don't, I'm, I'm rebuking it. In the name of Jesus, I come because I bind, I forbid. You can't pray something off of you when you did something illegal in the first place. My issue was I had no covering. Once, I'm serious, once, once I got a covering, that stuff stopped. Amen. And I was like, dag nabbit, <laughs> you mean to tell me? Three years of fighting and struggling in my sleep, stuff pinning me down, breathing in my face. <sighs> like, what in the world is this? All right, forget it. I realized very quickly that in order to have authority, you need to be under authority. Y'all don't like that. In order, I'm staying on this because I want to break that demon in your mind. In order to have authority, you have to stay under authority. So you know what started happening? My pastor was saying, you're doing this wrong. As anointed as I was. You don't see the results, man of God. I thought that I wouldn't be crazy enough to say that. Because these days, everybody say everything. Listen, let me tell you something. I, I feel like the Lord told me. I thought it. And God whipped me for thinking it. Forget it. I said, in my mind, he said, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong. This is, what, this is how you need to do this. I'm saying, is this your church? Come on. I'm being honest with y'all because I'm telling you, I'm telling you the real deal. Like, you ain't in the trenches with me. You ain't there when I'm trying to preach and them demons going, in the front row. I'm saying, come out of her. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? They're going to interrupt my service and I'm preaching. He said, no, no, this is, how you, this is how you deal with this. So I said, okay, let me try that. So the next service, I did what he said. No issues. Had the smoothest service in the world. I was waiting for something to rear up. Nothing happened. But people still got delivered, set free, healed, and driving home, I'm thinking, what's going to hit my body? What's gonna hit my body? I'm, on, I'm really like on pins and needles. 
Somebody starts crying. What's up? What's, what's, what's going on? What's going on? They just tired. That's it. I started realizing that the way that you you really exhibit power is by coming under authority and staying there. Now, coming under authority doesn't mean that you don't have a mind. This is why the devil fights people with authority. Coming under authority doesn't mean that you can't say nothing. Doesn't mean you become a mute. Just say whatever, I'll just say that. It don't mean that. But what it means is that you respect the one who is teaching you enough to hear and take that and allow Holy Spirit to merge that into your mind, into your heart. And it may take a few times. <laughs> 70 times, seven times of having that experience until it becomes a part of your arsenal. You want, okay, can, I, can we be real for a real friend? I don't, I don't, and I'm going to be real with you, I don't impart into a lot of people. You want to know why? Because I look ahead of time and see how much pride you got. They say, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Um, can you do this for me? No, I can't. My spiritual antenna goes, yep. I'm out. Because you want to know why? If I spend time trying to get something in you that your pride is fighting against, I'm going to get in trouble because the Bible tells me expressly, don't cast my pearls. I'm a swine now? No. It's an allegory. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comparison. You have pearls of wisdom. If you read Proverbs, Proverbs says, Proverbs says, don't even, don't even, don't even um, um, correct a fool. I'm a fool. Well, let's see what the characteristics of a fool is. A fool is a person who can't take correction. But how, how do you grow? You grow by being corrected. Because obviously something that you're doing is stunting your growth. I know people don't like this kind of stuff. This Jesus here is going to make a lot of people very uncomfortable. Growth is stunted when, when, when there is an area where you don't want to hear wisdom and apply it. So God says, don't correct the fool because you're going to waste time and energy on a foolish person because what you say to them, they're going to trample it under their feet. Then you're going to be upset because you wasted hours, days, months, and years trying to grow somebody into something that they didn't even want to be. So, so the mark of a of, of watch this. The mark of of someone who wants to receive wisdom is somebody who has a meek spirit, a teachable spirit. That means before I get to you, somebody else has to be able to tell you something and you receive it and not say, oh, that's just past the candies. Oh, I got it. Who you think you are telling me something? I need to hear it from Bishop. No, you heard it from a pastor. Because that's the order that God has set up in this house. Oh, y'all missing this. 
I know some of you are like, come on, get to this thing. Get Here, if Jesus, if the kingdom of God is set up by order, he sets up his church by order to match what's already in his kingdom. If you break the authority of the order on earth, then you disconnect yourself from his kingdom. Now, the, now what should come to you is held up because you are out of So this is, this, is how I, this is how I deal with this. Everybody's different. Every pastor's different. I don't pour, people, oh, that's rough. I don't pour into anybody who doesn't have a teachable spirit. So the ushers could teach you. Can you sit right here? No. God bless you. And I can see stuff in you that I can help cultivate to take your stuff from out of the four corners of Virginia to the world. But I can't release it to you because then I'll be out of order. Now I get in trouble. Does that, does that make sense? The worship leader can teach you. I sense a heavy presence of God. Who he think he is? Some dreadlocks on his head. Who he think he's talking to? Talk about lift your hands and presence of God. Don't tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. And we don't say that. We be like. <laughs> <laughs> and then we don't receive in worship then we blame the worship team it ain't about them you're blaming folks who are not even who are not even who are not even over watch this you're blaming people who really aren't stopping your flow they're really helping to facilitate it when 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 Shavon Dominique or Reese or someone lift your hands I feel the presence of God I ain't saying nobody talking about I hate that stance in church. Yes. Anybody ever seen preachers preaching? And I mean, they really getting. I mean, even if they, even if they, even if they hooping a God's hair, and they really saying something of substance, and then they, and the camera pans on the on the preachers, and they all sitting there like this. I I just want to drop kick all of them. Like, unfold your arms. That's the stance of you ain't moving me, sir. You ain't said one amen. You ain't even sanctioning the word of God. Not the word of the preacher. See, the church got to come back to doing things God's way. That's a stance of pride. Okay, you don't think so? Let you, let you be telling the child, you know what? I want you to clean your room. And they start doing this. If you don't unfold them arms, take this belt off and you unfold your arms. Uh, fold your arms and don't even say yes sir or yes ma'am back to me y'all don't like that this is the kind of stuff the church has lost we have lost watch this the church has really lost how do we get here I don't know the church has really lost a level of respect in the spirit and I'm talking about both ways because as much as as much as my anointing demands respect I respect your anointing When it is authorized and done correctly. Remember the other night, uh, Prophet Tanya, uh, Prophet Tanya, I said, uh, 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 and even since you guys said, is, is Lord saying, is Lord giving you anything for, for tonight? When the prophetic starts flowing, I'll ask people who I know that are prophetic and yielded. 
Is the Lord saying anything to you? Oh, no, he's not saying nothing right now. Okay, okay good. Why? Because I respect the gift that's in you. Respect is not, and, and this is another thing that I believe that the, Lord, the heart of the Lord is, 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 is so hurt by, is that respect is demanded from the pulpit, but it's not given to the pew. I'm going to hang out with y'all over here, Mom Carolyn, and I'm going to hang out with y'all over here. Hear me. I'm not supposed to be the only one operating and flowing in gifts. Oh, we're going to grow in these next 88 days, 80, however many, 80 days, 78 days. This is not so this is not a one man show. This is supposed to be a it's supposed to be a kingdom alliance. That I may have to take it to a certain point. Then my job is they come stand on my shoulders, Latoya. I'm gonna say Latanya. I'm thinking now you come and then and then she takes it to a certain point. Then she says, come stand on my shoulders, Sister Tashika. And she said, come stand on my shoulders, prophet. Come stand on my shoulders, brother. And the issue is, the same way that, 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 that the Tower of Babel was being built, there was a level of unity that they worked in that God himself said, wait a minute. These people, these jokers are about to, now, how high do you think these jokers got the tower to for God to say, wait a minute, how many levels of stairs? How many people had to sacrifice to sleep at certain levels so that they can keep passing brick up? Y'all quiet. In order for it to get so high that God got, he said, wait a minute. These people, they, they have imagined to do this and they're going to do this if I don't stop this and confuse their language. And we can't get 40 people to witness on a weekly basis and stay on their post here, 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 and there so that we can keep passing souls up. It shows a level of individuality and selfishness because I got my salvation. I got my giftings. I got my stuff. And God's taking me to the world. He can't take you to the world till, he, till you can conquer Virginia. You can't conquer Virginia till you conquer your block. You can't conquer your block till you conquer your home. You can't conquer your home till you conquer yourself. So conquer you, then you can conquer your home. Conquer your home, you can conquer your block. Conquer your block, then God can give you Virginia. Does it make sense? I think, I think that, okay, I'll get back to this. A lot of our perception has been marred by church, by opportunities that we desire. And this is the thing. If I don't get the opportunity here, I'll go elsewhere. You know how many people have uprooted themselves from out of the place that God sent them? How do you know God sent them? Because they said it. Y'all don't like me tonight. Y'all really don't like me. They heard God about everything. The Lord sent me here to do X, Y, and Z. But then when they leave, they ain't done none of it. Then they said, God told me to leave. Well, either God lied in the beginning or he's lying now. Because you and, you and God haven't accomplished nothing of what you said he sent you here to do. Uh-oh. The Lord told me to come. Okay. When the Lord sent me to a ministry, I went to the ministry not wanting to do nothing. Like most of y'all coming here. I just came here to get a good word. 
I feel like I got hoodwinked into joining. Now that I'm here, I don't want to do nothing. I just want to be a good member. I just want to come and just hear God. Do a couple of Facebook lives. Take my gift to the world. And just let God use my life. Right? No, seriously. And that's how people think. I just want God, you know, God's going to use me whether you like it or not. No, I'm, t- I'm telling, I just got truth. I've had people tell me that. God's going to use me whether you like it or not. I said, I ain't trying to stop you from being used. I'm hel- I want to help refine what's in you so that when you get used, it can be used, you can be used properly. Why get used and only 20% of what's in you come out of you because you don't know how to work the other 80% that God put in you. But somebody, God, God will send you to a place. Now, can I ask you a question? If y'all don't believe that's true, how many people in here prophetic? You know it by nature. Whether you prophesy or not, you know you see things, you know things, you understand things in the spirit. Put your head up high. Come on. Look around. Look around. How many of you, anybody in here, anybody in here know that God's called you to operate in the gift of healing? Look around. Look around. Anybody here never had a father? Put your hands up. Look around. Just look. Anybody here never had a mama? Or mama died early? Anybody here ever, uh, okay, anybody here ever, okay, real, real transparency, anybody here ever been molested or raped? My hand is up. Now watch. Do you think that God would send you to a place like this with leaders who have not gone through any of this or who carry any of this in them and God will connect your roots to a place that has nothing to feed you with. I mean, if so, God would be a God of disorder. God only sends you to places and to a place for your soul to be fed where what's in you can be nurtured and allowed to blossom. So the question we got to ask tonight is, why isn't that happening? Why isn't that happening? It's not happening because somewhere there's a block. There's a disconnect. Somewhere, somewhere, something has fought your mind. If I am an overflow and excess, I'm ready to train people right now. I'm ready to train prophetic people. I'm ready to train people in healing. I'm ready to train. I'm ready to release folks. No, seriously. I'm ready to do that. What is the hindrance? The hindrance ain't that I'm afraid. The hint, the real hindrance from anybody being able to pour into you is the Elijah and Elisha syndrome. Go away from me. Leave me alone. He got a nasty attitude. I can't be under this kind of crap. This is this. I can't. I can't deal with this stuff. So you shut down to the pouring because of personal offense, because there's a lot that inside of you you haven't been delivered from, but can't nobody tell you that because behind the non-deliverance of the stuff is the pride. You want to know know what Elijah was really doing? He was testing Elisha's pride level. Go away from me. Get out of here, little boy. You bother me. Go! And Elisha said, as long as the Lord my God lives. Now notice, he never said the Lord, your, the Lord my God. See, it's because in the personal relationship time, he's dealing with me. He's become my God and I recognize that my God is in you. Then I will not, I, see, perception. 
I will not leave you. This is what we say. I don't need no man. But what did, what did he say? He never said, I will not leave God. He said, I will not leave you. Because everything, the double portion that he got didn't come from God. It came from out of a man. Because the man's mantle fell. Elijah's meant he said my father my father and the mantle fell off of Elijah onto Elisha and the first thing he did was part of the waters just like what Elijah did which showed God gave him exactly what was on him it fell on him the thing with the church is we don't value the gift in the father we don't value that because we get it you get prophecy. You get word. You get revelation. And the more you get, the less you value. You don't believe me? Ask your children. Buy them Nikes, tablets. And then when you can't get it for them, then they want to act like the world will come to an end. Because they got a whole lot of stuff and they don't have no value system. Mine included. Oh, we deal with that stuff. I'm like, give me that phone now. You're going to value having this. Oh, you going to do your chores? My wife has a has an alarm that goes off so we can make sure that the chore is done. We walk, if I walk in the room and your room ain't clean, give me the phone. Give me, give me, the, give me, that, give me that, 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 that little thing in the back of your TV that we, that we got that, that you can watch a little movies with. Give me, a little, give me a little Roku stick. Give me a five seven Roku stick. Why? Because why, why, why have the amenity but don't value it? When you stop looking at me as that man. Oh, I don't even know how we got out here on this ledge. When you stop looking at me as that man and look at me as God's man. I'm not saying this to boost me up. I'm saying this because it's time for me to pour. It's time for me to pour into y'all. I'm talking about past just some, I've been doing a little training. No, it's time to pour until you become mightier than me. That's the season that Jesus is having a step into now. I'm looking to pour. I'm looking to pour. Because I'm about because God's about to release me to open other churches, other branches. And I need people here who know how to pour and, and they're not caught up in themselves, not caught up in the gifting, not caught up in people like, wow, you're anointed. Then they're like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna go out and stop my own thing because I feel like no, because an anointing that you carry is anointing that I've that, that God has allowed me to transfer to you. And when you come out from underneath that covering, then the anointing for that dries up. People don't understand this stuff. This stuff is this, this is spiritual laws. Good example. My pastor, I preach like a madman at my church, right? People get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost at the altar. People be getting baptized. I mean, all kind of crazy stuff happening. And then one day I got the big head. I was like, you know, I, this thing is on me. This thing is on me. You hear me? It's on me. Take that. It's on me. This thing is on me. Man, I went out. He told me, he said, I said, um, I said, uh, man of God. I'm going now. A lot of y'all are about to really get upset. I said, "Man of God, uh, I got a, I got an engagement to preach at this church." He said, "Don't go. No, you can't go." Oh, we can't tell you that no more. We can't tell folk that no more. I've heard the Lord. He told me to go preach it. I'm running a twelve night revival. Just want to let you know, Bishop. 
the church in 12 days. Who are you reviving? The Lord called me to a 12-night shut-in. I'm going to be shutting in at Green Pastures over in Mount Chesapeake area. I'm going to be up here doing this 20-day revival, and the Lord told me that 20 people are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost in 20 days. That's cute. I had, I had one kind of revelation. People calling me from everywhere. Come preach, come preach, come preach, come preach. I went to a man of God and said, listen, the, Lord, the Lord's calling me to the ministry of evangelism. I'm going out into the world. You know, evangelism. <laughs> you know, when you really want to be deep, you start talking real crazy. King James, like, the Lord's calling me to evangelism. I'm going out to the world and I'm going to preach his gospel. And I just want to let you, I want to just give you the heads up, man of God. Man of God, with a deep man of God, I'm going to give you the heads up. And he said to me, no, you're not. I said, huh? I said, no. I said, no, I'm going because the Lord, I felt in my spirit, the Lord told me to go. He said, okay, but you ain't going with my blessing. At that moment, what I didn't know was that when he said that, the anointing that was on me in that house popped right off me. I stood up in that church, that first night of revival. I said, the Lord. <coughs> I choked for 20 minutes, literally. They pat my back. You all right? I'm like, hold up. <clears throat> I choked for 20 minutes. To the point where the pastor had to say, well, God bless him. <laughs> Took me the one with arms around the shoulder things. God bless him. Let's go on and have a seat over here, brother. And he, he proceeded to preach from my notes. <laughs> but the first thing we're going to deal with tonight is... <laughs> And preach and folk got filled with the Holy Ghost and people got gave their life to Christ and it was pandemonium and I'm sitting there I'm upset because I'm like I'm embarrassed because do I just walk off but I want my book back because I can preach that later on <laughs> I want my book back so I'll be mean, like he's going in he's like man this is good stuff and God he's telling me this good stuff he's preaching my notes he got my revelation and getting deeper revelation than what I had I was like man this guy's good and then he's like, let me take it further. In the Greek. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't even know what Greek is. I'm over here. I'm a young guy. And I'm, this guy was tearing my notes up. Then he had the nerve at the end of it. He said, and I don't need the book no more. And threw the book. And I was like, wait, hold up. <laughs> threw the book in the audience. And people, I was just like, oh, man. My book got ripped up because people danced on my book. Pages was flying. I said, oh, God. Oh, Lord. I was so embarrassed. Went back home to my church on that next Sunday. Watch this. And my pastor says to me, you're preaching today. Huh? He said to me, you're preaching today. I said, huh? Like four times. I said, now watch this. My pastor do stuff like this. We in Sunday morning service. Full bloom. Choir singing. And, and, the, and I'll say, the next voice you hear after the choir is that of our man of God, Bishop John Mohan. So the, the choir's up preaching. He got on a robe, y'all. He's ready. He, he, said, he took his Bible, put it down on the seat, and pointed at me and said, I walked up and said, yes, sir. You're preaching today. Get ready. They're halfway through the song. <laughs> you could have told me that. Where's my book? <laughs> Where my, where my book? I'm thinking I should have I should have got them pages and taped them together because that would have been good for today. That's a, I was. He said, because this man got taught, be ready. Amen. You know, if, if if the words in you is in you, don't be playing no. I need some notes. You know, the notes ought to be in your spirit. 
said, be ready. Boy, he told me to preach. Now watch, I preach. I opened the Bible, the Lord said, go to Psalm 27. I went to Psalm 27. And I preached light in a dark place, right? I preached, I, and, the, and pandemonium hit. He gets up back to me and says, okay, that's enough. Sit down, sit down. I'm, uh, I'm stepping over chairs and God. Can somebody get him? Tell him to sit down. Sit. We can't do that today to nobody. You'll be like, he, he stopped the flow of anointing. That was somebody, no, no, sit down. Then he stood up and said, I want y'all to see what happens when a minister gets in pride. Then this man proceeded. I'm telling you, then he proceeded for the next hour to preach about pride, and I was a subject. <laughs> pride comes before destruction. Let me tell you what, I, I got a call from a preacher. Right. On Friday night, the minister went to go preach. Like I was from Nation Islam, the minister. <laughs> you know my name, but anyway, that's what it is. The minister, went, and this man preached about pride for an hour and a half after my 34-minute, 34-and-a-half-minute 34 sermon. Preached about pride for an hour and a half until it convicted me. In the beginning, my pride was like, listen here. But the more he preached, see, let me tell you something. Just because you're anointed don't mean you ain't going to have no flaws. I had many flaws. God used me, but I was jacked up. When your heart is right, and you perceive God as God and godly leadership that you value it. The more he preached about pride is the more within I said, yes, Lord, that's me. Yeah. And again, I was like, because I'm saving face. We've got a, a church full of young people. I'm in, I'm, in my, I'm in my late teens. I'm thinking I'm big stuff. I'm going to the world. God's going to take me around the country. I'm going to preach the word to the world. And he's like, Preaching about pride, and he's preaching about me, calling my name out. Yeah. Preaching about me for an hour and a half. And the more he preached, the more I said, ouch, yes, Lord. It started like a, yes, Lord. Then it moved to, yes, Lord. Then I was like, yes, Lord. Father, I was an altar. I was an altar with him laying his hands on me. Like, you spirit of pride, come out of him. I'm getting delivered from a demon in front of the whole church, Right? Then I, when I came back to myself, I look up and the whole altar's filled with preachers, young people. And you know what he said? He said, you'll never, you'll never have this problem again. Not just because I got delivered. He said, because you learned what pride will do firsthand. See, all, for me, I can't talk about y'all. It only takes one or two times maybe. Most times it only takes one time because if I see it in somebody else, and it happens to them. I'm like, I don't want that. Lord, I repent right now. Ain't nobody got to call me out. See, I'm the type of person, if I was sitting in the seat and he was preaching about another minister, I'd be down there by myself. Lord, hallelujah, I need you like number four. I got pride, Jesus, because I don't want to go through that. It don't take, it don't take, if I see somebody else going through it, I'm like, Lord, I see some of that in me. I want it all out. Come on, deal with me right now, because I don't want to go through that. And it seemed like every church I went to, every pastor called me out. I told you I was playing organ. I was late. My pastor, Pastor Moore, if he's watching tonight, I thank you, sir, again for the thousandth time. I, I would come in late. The, the organ was over there in the door to the, to the side door for the musician's corner. was right over there. And, and he told me one day, he said, don't ever come late again to this church. Now, I said, like, you ain't paying me nothing. <laughs> 
So I must not have got all the pride out. It's years later. All, shout out to all the pride didn't come out because he said that. I was thinking to myself, you ain't give me no money so I can come whenever I want to really come because, you know, I was doing this unto the Lord. What time? Let me get this all out of here. Okay. I said, uh, I said in my mind, you ain't paying me no money. So I'm, I'm, I'm late because I, I woke up late. I'm doing work. So he said, don't, he stopped the whole service. Don't, I heard you. He came out of his office. I heard you come play an organ, and it was after prayer. The praise team was already singing when you came in here and started playing. If you're going to play in this house, you need to be on time. If you're going to give God anything, give him your best. Do you hear me, son? Yes, sir. But I'm thinking the whole time playing, I'm like, I hope you fall down them steps. <laughs> I'm saying, it was just, it was, it was bad. He said, he said that. Two weeks later, I came in late again on purpose. I'm like, telling me I came. Came in, started the organ up. I playing. He came out the office. He said, stop everything. What did I say? I'm like, I'm thinking, who are you talking to? So I'm looking around. I'm looking around at people. I'm like, I'm talking to you. So I'm thinking the blood of Jesus prevails. Come on, Satan. We ain't going to have this today. He said, I'm talking to you. I told you don't come in here late. You came in here. They on the second song you came up in here. Get off my organ. Get on this altar and let's pray. I said, okay. <laughs> and my feet started moving real slowly. I'm taking baby steps. I'm like, it's because it's a struggle right now. I'm, I'm struggling. Got an altar. Begin to pray. I said, Lord, I know I'm wrong. Now, when your heart's right, yeah. but your mouth is wrong. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Your heart is right, but your mouth is wrong. But I always found myself in predicaments where I had to be strongly corrected openly because of where God was going to take me to. He said to me in front of church, he said, you don't have the luxury. I'm on my knees. You ain't got the luxury of me correcting you in my office because you ain't going to be here with us that long. I didn't even know this. I didn't move there. I got all my stuff there. I got a studio there. We working there. I'm like, I'm here. I'm living there. He said, you ain't going to be with me long. I got to pour into you what I need to pour into you because you leaving here. I didn't know it, but a year and a half, two years later, I got married and left. He said, I got, I got to pour into you because of where you're going. He said, and you're going to have to learn this stuff quick. So I got to rebuke you every chance I get. I'm thinking, oh, God. He said, I got to rebuke you every chance I get. I'm thinking, for what? For what? And sure enough, he rebuked me every chance he got. The choir been singing. He said, your attitude's off. Stop singing. Your attitude is wrong. I break that spirit of pride. All right, y'all can keep singing again. And when it sat down, people would look at that and be like, that's abuse. This generation, y'all look at that and be like, that's abusive. What if I said that to Neil? Like, I rebuke that project. Y'all be like, poor Neil. Y'all would be going to him at the end of the service. I just, oh, Neil, so sorry that you had to endure that. And it was live on Facebook. Oh, my Jesus. You would think it's horrible unless you knew where Neil was going. Great destiny, great, great correction. The higher you go, the higher you go, the more God is going to deal with you in your root system. Because if your roots are messed up, then stuff that comes up out of you is going to be jacked up. You'll be good in a lot of areas, but in other areas, you'll be of no use to the kingdom. 
And I'm gonna t- with this. With this. What, what time is it? Eight thirty. Okay, we gotta get you out of here. This this is what I've learned is that Satan doesn't mind you being used by God. He doesn't mind that. Although he might be afraid of what God put in you. What he's after is what door is open after you used so that he can attack your life, attack your family, attack your body, attack your mind, attack you in retaliation for what you have done to his kingdom. And this is where gifted people miss it. Because y'all, this, I'm talking to a gifted church. Y'all try to act like, not me, but if I handed you a mic and you was under that pressure, you know what would come up in you? Your gift. Y'all don't like me. You would know what comes up in your gift. Your gift will come up. My pastor would say, he'd be preaching, and God, and hand me the mic in the middle of his preaching. You know what? I wouldn't preach. That wasn't my strong point. I take the mic and start prophesying. I take the mic and start praying for people for healing, deliverance. I'm 22 years old. He's preaching hard. Ah, God's gonna do it. And I tell him, come on, finish this. I don't start preaching because that, that wasn't a strong suit for me. He's in the middle of teaching. He hands in the mic. I would never go to teaching. I always went to my gift. So I take the mic and start prophesying. The Lord said, I lay hands, deliverance, gifting. Y'all, y'all really try to play sometimes like, I, I don't have it, I don't have it. Well, if I handed you the mic and you're a singer, you would oh Jesus, we praise you. You start singing because that's the gift. This is the problem with the gift. The gift is wonderful. But the gift can't keep you from the attack that comes from the open doors because of the wounds in your soul. The gift will heal others while you yourself going home and maybe suicidal. This is why pastors kill themselves. Highly anointed people have affairs. Like, has anybody else ever wondered, why you do that? It's easy for you to say that because your wounds are different than theirs. And, And because I'm talking to gifted folks, a lot of gifted folks struggle one of some of the biggest things that highly gifted folks struggle with is acceptance how did I do how was that why doesn't anybody want me why am I by myself I bring so much to the table if I'm this valuable Where's all my friends? Y'all don't want to be real tonight. I'm, I'm highly, I'm highly anointed, but highly anointed people struggle with loneliness. That's not a part of the gift. That, that's not a part of the gifting package. Although people say, if you anoint it, you're gonna be lonely. No, you ain't supposed to be lonely. You're not. No, I'm serious. The church, but the church has done a horrible job at this. 
The church has made it that, that the more anointed you are, the more struggle there's going to be on the other side. When the truth is, that's not supposed to be. The, that's not supposed to be. Jesus was highly anointed, but there was no struggle. The more anointed you are, is the deeper you need to be delivered. Because the more anointed you are, the more you're going to struggle with out when the anointing wears off. The anointing, I might be anointed for two or three hours when I leave here. I'll go home and prophesy to my kids and my wife all the time. I'm home, like the Lord just told me to tell you, brother, I be, my kids hate that because I'll be coming home and knowing they be like, what happened to school this morning? They'll be like, huh? I go to the bathroom. No, 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 don't go to the bathroom. Who's, 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 uh, who's Janet? <laughs> Yesterday he was at work. What, what, what happened with this over here? Oh, come on, Dad, stop. One of the joys of being a, a, a preacher's kid. The anointing, the anointing stays on me when I leave here, right? If I'm in the back, and I, Krista, characters, some of y'all have seen it. If, I, if I, the anointing is on me like that, I'll go in the back and I'll, I'll preach to them for another hour and a half and teach them for another hour and a half. They sit there like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, Bishop. And I know they want me to stop, but I can't. One time we was here, one o'clock in the morning, I was like, hey, one more thing. They was like, oh. It stays with me, but eventually it lifts. And this is the issue. When it lifts, what are the voids? When it lifts, what are the struggles? When it lifts, what is the, the fight point of the enemy in your mind? When it lifts, how, what, what is it that keeps you up at night in worry? So, so the biggest part of training is not to teach you to flow in your gift. A lot of y'all got that. The biggest part of training is teaching you discipline. One of the biggest parts of training is teaching folks who are gifted to come under authority and be disciplined. To be transparent. Because we equate being gifted to be, being superhuman. Like, I'm gifted, but I don't struggle. That's, that's baloney. If you're gifted, you gonna, there's, there's going to be a struggle somewhere that you need to be dealing with all the time. Even if it's a thorn, you're going to have to keep that thorn cut. This is the, hear me, we're entering into a great season. I ain't get to none of these notes. We're, enter, we're entering into a great season, but I believe that God, God said tonight what he needed to say. Because we're moving into a season of pouring. I'm looking for folks to pour into right now. I'm not saying that I, ain't, ain't no class, there ain't no, 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 nothing you got paid for. I'm looking for people who are attached to this house to pour into, to push your gift to the next level, to push you to what God showed you. And if I went row by row, row, row by row, person by person, which I can do, and prophesied and told you what I see, this house is so unique in that every. 99.9% of us in here can flow in giftings. But because we're like that, 99.9 of us need more help. So, so when I get around my man of God, I don't say, 
teach me how to do that thing when you have people stand up and they get healed. I don't do that. Y'all seen Bishop Brown do that? Apostle Brown do that? Who, anybody have pain?